From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Brian Mullady. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Thursday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. If you'd like to be part of the program, we'd love to have you. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to talk to you. That number is one 205 2712985 and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1 205 271 2985 or you can send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Kubensky. And Ace McKay is our celebrity social media maven today. So if you're uh, watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, Dominican Father Brian Mullady, how are you? It's fine, thank you. Um, You know, when Mother Angelica started this radio venture and picked the location for the original shortwave (coughs) facility, she did so because she said that she saw St. Michael sitting on top of the mountain here in Vandiver, Alabama. You're well, talk, there you go. You're going to talk a little bit about St. Michael today, huh? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow is the Feast of St. Michael and all the angels. And it's a feast that dates from the 5th century in the Western Church, and it has to do, of course, like many of our feasts, with the dedication of a basilica to St. Michael and the angels in Rome. Also, it's um, because it happens around the autumn in the time of the year, and the equinox, it takes on the idea of new beginnings, and this has been carried through in things like academic terms in Britain, where it's called Michael Mass, which is Mass of St. Michael. The celebration and veneration of the angels is an extremely important thing in Christianity, and it corresponds to classical philosophy. Uh, uh, In fact, one of the great debates of the Middle Ages uh, was whether the angels have any matter or not. And if they were pure form, they'd be like God, pure act. So no one could figure this out, even St. Bonaventure and the Franciscans. But St. Thomas said, well, they, they, they are uh, changeable and they do have potential in them. And so therefore they're not pure act. But they only have form and their form is in potential to things like further knowledge and that sort of thing. So from this developed a whole angelology it's one of the reasons St. Thomas is called the angelic doctor because the insight he came to was that in the angels, even though they didn't have matter, uh, their essence was what, not the same as their existence. Uh, 
Or another way to put this is what they are is not that they are, which is only true of God. So this distinction caused them to be held as created beings and not as uncreated beings. But halfway between us, who have bodies and matter, and God, who has none and no change. And in the angels, the change occurs uh, basically by the imparting of knowledge from the higher of the so-called choirs to the lower choirs. The choirs of angels are mentioned in several versions of the Roman canon. I don't know if any of you have ever thought about it, but when we say in the preface, and so with the angels and archangels, the thrones, dominions, powers, etc., those are all names of the traditional choirs of angels. And what happens is from God himself, the higher angels impart the knowledge down to the lower angels, because since they don't have senses, they can't learn from ordinary common experience. But again, they complete creation because they stand between a being that is spirit and matter, which is us, and God who has no matter, and they have a distinction in uh, between essence and existence and so forth. They're changeable, and therefore they can't be purely in act. So this insight of St. Thomas's is why he's called the angelic doctor. We call the angelicum after him. And it corresponds to the way the angels are basically represented in the scripture. They're always divine messengers. They always bring forth messages that they learn from God, but they learn them in a much quicker and more certain way and they're also called to the same final purpose as human beings because they're spirits as well as us. And so therefore the angels can only be happy when they see God in the face. Now, when their original creation, they were created in grace too. They weren't yet in heaven. Otherwise Satan couldn't have sinned. But in their first choice, Angelic beings are so powerful intellectually and spiritually that their first choice determines their destiny. In other words, they either choose self or God. So St. Michael and St. Raphael and St. Gabriel chose God. Their names reflect that. Whereas Satan chose self, and even though he was one of the highest of the angels, he, God, the punishment for him, which is actually the punishment for hell, is that he knows, he's very brilliant, he knows that seeing God is his final purpose. But to do that, he has to surrender control. And he doesn't want to surrender control. Whereas Michael and Raphael and Gabriel and all the choirs that are uh, holy angels, they surrender control of their life to God and the Trinity, and so everything they do, they do because they're bid to do it. In other words, they're also, as well as loving, obedient. And in that first choice, they either were in heaven or not, with us, it takes a lifetime of choices. So the angel's pilgrimage ends in their first choice 
Ours ends in death. But our destiny is the same. However, because they're so special as beings, angels don't have a common nature. And each one is a nature unto itself. And as a result, they cannot return to any kind of conversion if they choose self in the beginning of their creation. Whereas we have this changeable nature where we go in and out of grace and, and you know, all those things uh, until we actually die. Then we're confirmed in whatever the final state of our soul actually is. But this whole angelology is so deep and beautiful. And soon we're going to celebrate the guardian angels, which means that God's care for us is so great that it actually leads him to create a special spiritual being, a very powerful being, uh, but from his love for us to guard us and keep us. He has given his angels charge over you. They shall bear you upon their hands lest you strike your foot against the stone. So on this feast uh, tomorrow, in preparation for it today, let us offer our praise to God for creating the angels. And let us not think that we're alone besides the saints and the persons of the Trinity. We actually have these powerful spiritual beings who spend all of their existence basically praising God in heaven and carrying his will to us here on earth. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. It's a free telephone call anywhere in the United States and Canada. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one 1- 205-271-2985. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at EWTN.com. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Stacy in Indiana, and we've got plenty of time for your phone calls at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Thursday with Father Brian Mullady. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, it's not too early to begin thinking about Advent. We've got a classic Advent wreath for you, and it's made with traditional mix of of holiday greens and natural colored pine cones. Uh, Three violet ones and a rose Advent candle are included with this wreath, and it measures 11 inches in diameter. Do not call on the day before Advent starts expecting to get this wreath. 
You need to get it now and get it ahead of time. Um, everybody rushes the the gift shop here at EWTN on the days leading up to the first Sunday of Advent, and and they're often disappointed because all the Advent reefs have been snatched up by everybody else. So it's available now at EWTNRC.com. They're offering free standard shipping on online orders of $75 or more. That is standard shipping in the continental U.S. only. Simply use the code FREE at checkout. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. It is a free telephone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. First up today is Stacy. She is a first-time caller in Valparaiso, Indiana, listening on WSFI Radio. Stacy, you are on with Father Brian Milady. Hello. Uh, this is my question. It's kind of a two-part question. Uh, when Cain kills Abel, and he's, you know, talking with God the Father, and God the Father says, you know, I'm going to have to mark you, uh, because Cain is upset that he's saying, you know, to, his punishment is too great, that someone will come after and kill him then. And he says, and God says, I will mark you so that no one will do that, but you're going to have to go wander the earth. And Cain also, so my first question is, what is that mark? And then Cain also makes uh, some reference about how it, his punishment is too great because he would be have to bear this in front of all these other people. Well, aren't all the other people he's bearing this in front of his siblings? So who are all these other people he's talking about? I don't know. <laughs> the mark of Cain is something that's caused lots of debate uh, for centuries. And no one seems to know what it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, the other people at the time would be the uh, his family. But um, eventually it becomes the whole human race. Thanks, Stacy. We appreciate the phone call Sorry. today. 833-288-EWTN <laughs> is our toll-free number. It is a free telephone call anywhere in North America, 833-288-3986. David's watching us on YouTube, and he wants to know, what is a good book to learn about the Archangel Michael? Do you know of one, Father? Uh, No, not really. I'm sorry. This is strike two. (laughs) (laughs) Protect the plate, Father. you got two strikes Yeah, I've I've been reading... uh, I read commentaries, and I read, of course, St. Thomas, but he doesn't talk specifically about Michael. Um, I'm sure there are some, though, because after so many years of devotion to the various angels, there's someone, obviously, who made a reflection on all this. Yeah, a good place to start, David, might be EWTN's religious catalog because you know you can trust those sources. Just go to EWTNRC.com and right at the top of the page you'll see the search bar and just put St. Michael the Archangel in there and we may have some good resources for you. 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number. We've got wide open phone lines for you at 833-288-3986. Uh, Michael, as we talk about St. Michael and the other archangels, Michael's watching on YouTube, and he says, In the case of the St. Michael prayer, we ask, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits. I understand that, and they've chosen their fate, but is it wrong that I feel queasy about that? 
When I think about hell, my desire is no one go there, even though the fallen angels definitely are there. So should Michael feel bad that we're condemning the and we fallen angels? And we aren't condemning them, nor is God. They condemn themselves. Uh, this was very beautifully pointed out in um, a novel by C.S. Lewis, uh, The Great Divorce, in which he brings souls, not angels, obviously, or demons, but he brings souls from hell and gives them a chance to go to heaven. Well, they're, all they're concerned about is, well, like the, the scholar who objected to doctrine in the university, that he wants to be sure he can have freedom for his opinions and a good discussion group up there. Uh, it's very important he discuss <laughs> things. And uh, when he leaves heaven to go back to hell, he's singing the hymn, City of God, How Broad and Far. <laughs> uh, no, no, we, we don't condemn anybody to hell. God ratifies the person's choice in the sense that um, he, he allows them to choose themselves. Otherwise, he would, we wouldn't be free. And B, he confirms it. He confirms it by an external judgment. But um, he doesn't send anybody there in the sense that he wills that anyone go there unless they themselves have chosen it. And we choose our own hells is the thing. And usually they have to do with how much we're concerned about our own egos and not about surrendering to God. Uh, 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. Grab one of these open phone lines. Still a couple of them out there at 833-288-3986. Teresa's up next. She is in Fort Wayne, Indiana, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Teresa, you are on with Father Brian Malady. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have been seeing a spiritual director, and I maybe saw her five or six times, and the topic came up of my grandchild who is trans, and she was telling me she has a daughter who is gay, and she came finally got to the point where she could rejoice in that relationship of her gay daughter and partner. And I said, well, what about sin? And she said, how do we, she kind of shrugged and said, how do we know it's sinful? So I dropped her. Was I right to drop her? Yes, absolutely. Where did you find this person anyway? She was, she was recommended by her diocese. Well. To me. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, we don't have recommended spiritual directors in Portland. You have to find your own. Um, I don't know who recommended her, what the criteria were. Might be a good idea to pass this information on to the person that did recommend her. Yes, that's right. But, um, yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, just because some Dwasin official says, oh, this will be a good person, doesn't mean that it is. So you need to be have a heads up about this. And uh, you did, finally, because she told you something you didn't think was true. And in spiritual direction, the primary quality you have to have is the ability 
tell the truth. Does that help, Teresa? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and when you find a new spiritual director, then these are some of the questions you probably want to ask on the first visit, huh, Father? <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much, Teresa. We appreciate the call today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Our next caller, clearly a brilliant gentleman. His name is Jack, and he is in Lafayette, Louisiana, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Jack, welcome to the program. You're on with Father Brian Milady. Thank you very much. Father, how are you, my friend? It's fine. Awesome. Good to hear you, sir. Uh, my question uh, has to do with the archangels. Has there ever been any non-biblical apparitions of the archangels, either one or two or what have you? Oh, gosh, yes. Joan of Arc had a few. <laughs> you know, she saw, I think she saw Michael. If I'm not mistaken, oh yeah, there's been extra biblical apparitions, sure. Uh-huh. 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number. It is a free phone call anywhere in North America, and we've got a couple of open lines for you at 833-288-3986. Uh, Chad is in the great state of Ohio listening today to Sacred Heart Radio. Chad, you're on with Father Brian Milady. Thank you. Uh, actually, I have two questions, just real quick. I know that this week there was the parable of um, Christ talking about the light, uh, like in a basket on the hill, and that uh, part of it was, he said, to those who've been given a lot, a lot will be given, and then if you're not given a lot, you'll, you'll lose some. I'm paraphrasing. Um, I was curious about that, because I didn't really understand that. And the second part was, you know, uh, later on we see Christ transfigured where he is actually a light on a hill. Um, in, your, in what you've read in commentaries, did anybody ever talk about the comparison of that parable and the transfiguration, or is there any parallels there? Thank you. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Of all the books written in the world, I don't know of any. However... Uh, the light under the bushel basket has to do with the responsibilities of the gospel. In other words, once you see God or experience grace and you're aware that you experience grace, then you have a responsibility to share it. And if you try to hoard it, it shows you you don't really appreciate what the gift really is. So, uh, and our Lord uses the ridiculous example (coughs) of um, lighting a lantern and then putting it under a tub or a basket, because who would do something like that? I mean, the the whole reason you ride a lamp is to show light to the world. So the fact that you've received grace is for you to hide it away. It's to shine forth and to try to bring the light to other uh, people which would be the light of truth. Uh, I suppose you could, in a very, 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 very extended way, apply this to the transfiguration, but it's not what the transfiguration is really about. The transfiguration is not about our light, but it's seeing through the light of Christ's body, 
that he's the second person of the Trinity. Because you remember that the voice speaks of heaven. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased to try to show this is about who Christ is. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday with Father Brian Mulady. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN. Grab one of these open phone lines. We'd love to talk to you at 833-288-3986. We head next to Fort Worth, Texas, where Nelson is a first-time caller listening on Guadalupe Radio. Nelson, thanks for holding. You're on with Father Brian Milady. Yes, I hope I don't perplex them again about angels. <laughs> I tried looking in the uh, I tried looking in the Bible helps and the concordance, but I could not find the angel Raphael or Raphael, one of the three archangels. I know where Michael and Gabriel are, but where is Raphael found in He's, the Bible? Well, you probably look in a Protestant concordance. Because Raphael is a part of the books the Protestants don't accept. He's the companion to Tobias, remember? Tobias who goes to the foreign country and marries the, was it Rachel or whoever? And uh, he comes back and Raphael is his guide through the whole thing. And um, he's often portrayed as uh, having some fish bomb because remember, Tobias Tobit suffered from the pigeons that dropped the mm-hmm. acid on his eyes, and he became blinded. And then after they go through all these sort of adventures, Raphael heals him from his blindness. But uh, no, he's all in the cycle about the book of Tobias and things like that, which the Protestants don't accept as um, inspired. So the book of Tobit, Nelson, that's where you'll get your answer. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Next up is Caroline. She is in Arizona, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Caroline, you are next up on the Angels Hit Parade with Father Brian Mulady. Hi, Father. Hi. My question is... Hi. My question is, um, I heard three callers ago talking about the St. Michael prayer and how when they prowl, you know, the, I guess the world, how come when, so my question is, how come the angels, when they didn't want to follow God, when they were cast out of heaven, how come they just, how come he didn't cast them into hell and why didn't they just stay in hell? Why are they allowed to roam? Oh, uh, because uh, since they're not in heaven, they're allowed to roam the earth, and what they do is looking for souls to devour them, for the stronger self to prey on the weaker, as an image of um, what happens when one goes to hell. And if you want a good example of this, even though it's a question about whether it's historical or not, 
But uh, the book of Job is an excellent example. Remember, Satan is him roaming up and down the earth, observing God's servant Job. And God says, have you thought of my servant Job? There's no one as just and pious as he is. And then Satan says, not for nothing does Job fear God. It's because he gets all these things. He has a nice family, and he has plenty to eat, and he's very successful. But take all these things from him, and then, of course, eventually the law has got, uh, asks God to take his health from him, and uh, he'll curse you to your face. So God wants to demonstrate that Job fears him for a right intention. So he permits Satan to, you know, deprive him of all these things, and, of course, if that wasn't enough, we have Job's wife, who isn't helpful. <laughs> you know, what good does it do for you to be just all your life? Curse God and die, she says. <laughs> but he doesn't listen to his wife either. And instead, he preserves his integrity regarding his relationship to God. But the book of Job is loaded with the angels, um, the, the wicked angels uh, roaming the earth to, to find people that they can make like themselves because it maddens them that they were um, cast out of heaven. Thanks, Caroline. We appreciate the call today. That opens up a line for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Jennifer is a first-time listener in Auburn, New York, listening at EWTN.com. Jennifer, you are on with Father Brian Milady. Hi, sir. Um, yes, I, I was telling the fellow that I just spoke to, I was kind of perusing, looking for something to watch that was religious. And what I'll, I'll cut to the chase. I won't make this long and drawn out. Uh, when I was about 23 years old to about 26 or 22 to 24, time didn't really matter that much then to me, but it was a, over the course of three years I was born again. I know so because I woke up in it, I went to bed in it, I was in it all day, every moment, every thought, every everything. I, I know what it's to be born again. Something happened to me. Uh, it was a sound in my ear. Uh, it was a bad sound or a bad thought, and it was such a bad thought, it must have taken me right back out of it, and now I'm what's just your, What's your question? What's your question? Well, I don't know what the question really is, except that uh, I don't want to go to hell, and I'm not born again right now. I don't know what you mean. So talk by talk a little bit, Father, about the Catholic perspective on what it means to be born again, and and on a larger scale, the Catholic uh, notion of salvation in general. Well, of course, Christ talks in Nicodemus about being born from above, and uh, being born again in our way of thinking is is we lost grace in the original sin. Uh, we received grace back when Christ died on the cross. We received it back this time with a good deal of weakness, but we don't think that we're just dead, period. Um, so being born again for us means that we're in the state of grace. Now, of course, we could lose that through mortal sin, but we could never return to not being baptized to being back in the state of original sin 
Instead, we do what's called actual sin. So, uh, as long as a person's fairly well aware that they're living a Christian life, and that includes worshiping God at Mass and things like that, and they, they're pretty sure they love God more than they uh, and, and hate sin, then we have a fair amount of assurance that this birth of grace is influencing our life unto a Christian maturity. God bless you, Jennifer. It might be a good idea if you just uh, if you could uh, do a Google search there on your computer and find the nearest Catholic church to where you are, and if you can make your way to that church and have a chat with uh, the priest there, that would be awesome. If not, you could give him a telephone call, and he could probably come and talk with you and um, help you put your fears to rest. We'll keep you in our prayers for sure. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Stephen is a first-time caller in Ann Arbor, Michigan, listening on Ave Maria Radio. Stephen, you're on with Father Brian Milady. Hello, Father. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just had a quick question. Um, I'll be brief here. Uh, quick history. I'm cradle Catholic. Went through the whole uh, catechism through eighth grade, confirmed. Um, fell out of the faith for almost 40 years. Got some baggage there. I have returned recently back to the faith and trying to make up for some lost time, and I didn't know if it was a good idea. Is it, I'm Roman Catholic. Should I be... Is it possible to be really... Once you get it as a child, you're done, and and that's how it works. Yeah, he kind of faded out there, Father. He's wanting to know if he should be rebaptized. No, not at all. We experience baptism once. Uh, you may recall there was a famous heresy controversy around the time of St. Augustine regarding this because a number of Christians had submitted and renounced their faith. I believe it was in the persecution of Diocletian. And uh, so when the persecution ended, they wanted to return to their religious practice. And a bunch of others said, no, 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 oh no, they've renounced their faith, so they have to be rebaptized. And St. Augustine struggled in many words against this heresy and how it was so contrary to the Catholic religion. Once you've been baptized, even if you go to hell, you can't return to the condition of original sin. You can experience actual sin for which you have to confess in confession, but you cannot be baptized more than once because when you're baptized, you receive the indelible mark of the character of conformity to Christ as priest, prophet, and king. And that never needs, even the, again, the person who's in hell has that conformity, which is not a moral conformity. It's a conformity in being. So they can never return to being in the condition of original sin or not. And that indelible mark, correct me if I'm wrong, Father, may have had something to do with Stephen being drawn back to the faith, huh? Absolutely, yes. Uh -huh, yeah. God bless you, Stephen. We'll keep you in our prayers for sure. 833-288-EWTN. We head north of the border now to Ontario, Canada. Mary is watching us on YouTube today. Mary, you are on with Father Brian Milady. 
Hi, Father. Hi, Mary. I just have a quick question regarding forgiveness. Jesus wants us in the Lord's Prayer, of course, to always forgive. And when you're, you know, in confession or taking confession all the time, it's forgiveness, especially with an ongoing, say, family issue that you're having struggles with a family member that you obviously are family with, and it's an ongoing thing. How do you know if you've forgiven and when or whether or not you just need to take it to confession? Well, they're not mutually exclusive, you know. Um, you know that you're forgiven when you've forgiven. Um, you know that. The other person doesn't have to accept it, but you have to do it because that's what Christians do. Our Lord forgave us in the cross, killing him. And he made, a, he, look, he knew that the, all of us would find ourselves in situations where we would experience anger at an evil done to us, we would attempt to forgive the person or at least resolve the anger. And the, one of the ways is, of course, um, realizing that you can't change this situation. Let's say the person you're angry at's dead in your family and they died. Well, there's no way you can make amends for that. But what do you do when you've left all normally reasonably required for forgiveness? Not, uh, we've done it all, and people still won't forgive you. Well, you can sit there and hold on to it and let it destroy you. In other words, the offender still controls your life. Or you can say, look, this is ridiculous. I'm wasting all this energy on something I can't change. So I will make a conscious choice to forgive the person and I will move on. If they move on, that's their problem, not mine. And then if you're a real Christian, in the sense of the fullness of what this is offered to us, you actually forgive the person and our Lord knew this was such an important exercise that he made it required for our own forgiveness. So you have two examples. Um, I know a, a psychiatrist, a Catholic psychiatrist that I follow, who was imprisoned during World War II in a concentration camp. And what kept him alive was the inner anger at the evil of his captors which kept his adrenaline up in his system and didn't allow him to easily succumb to malnutrition or disease. But it was an anger he could never openly express because it would have meant his death. Still, it helped him get through this experience. Then you have Maximilian Colby, who actually forgave the person who was killing him and remember took the place of a Jew in line in the concentration camp to be killed. Both are accepted responses, but the more Christian would be the second one, and that's why we say forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Conversations with Consequences is the weekly radio show of the Catholic Association. It's hosted by Dr. Grazy Christie. features conversations about the topics that matter to an educated and well-formed Catholic audience. And you can hear it right here on EWTN Radio, Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, and again Saturday afternoon and evening at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Next up is Freddie. He is in Houston, Texas, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Freddie, you're on with Father Brian Malady. Uh, good afternoon. Um, uh, I don't have a question. I just have a. I just like to congratulate Father Malady for the uh, greatest answers that uh, that uh, that I ever heard. Uh, earlier, someone asked a question about Cain, and uh, his answer was, "I don't know." And I think that that's the greatest thing. That's the greatest answer. Uh, is someone as, as educated as, as him, uh, you know, people like him can do because some, sometimes you ask people questions that no one has the answer and they they do tell you something, you know, that no one knows what it really means and leaves you wonder, you know, am I the only one who doesn't get it? And then, you know, Father Malady, he, he said, he, he, he just said, I don't know. And that's great. I'd like to congratulate him for, for that and, uh, and uh, thank you. Well, I'd much rather tell you that than trying to make up some answer that may not be true. So uh, um, I, I, I think the mark of Cain, as far as I understand it, is a very nebulous idea. And I don't know anyone who's absolutely certain what it does refer to. So, God bless you, Freddie. We appreciate the phone call, and thank you so much for the kind words today. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. We could probably still squeeze in a call or two at 833-288-3986. Here's a good question for a follower of St. Thomas. Matt wants to know, what is the Catholic position on the free will of mankind? Oh, yes. I, I love the people that call up and want an answer to this in three minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> it's not like it's ever been debated in the history of the church, right? Um, well, the correct answer is that God gave us intelligence and a will so that we might participate in our own salvation. Now, the trouble is grace is beyond our nature. We can't get it ourselves by our free will so we depend upon God to give it to us uh, but it's not as though we couldn't do preparation for it for example a person can prepare to, for faith in Christ by uh, praying and asking for deliverance the whole Old Testament is loaded with people um, in prophecies and other places who talk about how much the Israelites fell away from God and how they were given chances to return. We do believe there were saints in the Old Testament and uh, that we have to do the same. We who are now aware that salvation has actually come in Jesus Christ. So he wants us, he doesn't want uh, slaves he, or he wants um, children um, and people who have chosen to be saved. And so anyone who's reached the age of reason, which is seven traditionally, has to correspond to the graces they've been given by 
whatever they're capable of when it comes to free choice. And in this way, we do merit our own salvation, not that we cause grace and justification, but that we are a part of arriving at heaven itself, and we all have different parts to play. That's why my house are many mansions. Uh, we'll head now to Covington, Kentucky. Rob is listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Rob, you're on with Father Brian Malady. Well, thank you. Yes, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, got a quick uh, question or comment. Uh, a lot of times when I have discussions with uh, friends or coworkers who have, uh, you know, seem to be falling away Catholic, so several of them have described themselves. Um, that seems to conflict with the uh, baptismal promise that we've all made uh, as infants. And uh, I just wonder if, uh, and we always repeat these at Easter time, I just wonder if, if there's a chance you could uh, remind the audience and myself and hopefully those folks who have not heard uh, these promises lately. Thank you. Oh, yeah, well, that's where you renounce Satan and you express your faith in the creed. But it's interesting, Bishop Shin, the famous preacher in the 50s and 60s, used to say that grace always has a beachhead. Because since we have an intellect and will, our faculties are normally oriented toward uh, surrendering to God to experience grace. And that's the final, that's the more of the weight of our character than our tendency to sin. Uh, see, we're not pessimistic like the Protestants. Luther thought that everything that was from grace was sin, and the man by nature was totally depraved. Uh, we, we don't think that. There's a quotation in St. Augustine where he says that we're one at the same time uh, justified in a sinner. Well, the Lutherans took that to mean we're actually sinners, but only consider ourselves justified. We took that to mean we're actually justified, but we have a weakness toward sin. So we need to remember that uh, our character was meant for heaven, not for anything else. And the whole way our soul is structured, the whole relation of our intellect and will is so that we'll experience God's love and go to heaven, not so that we'll experience damnation. Damnation is actually where freedom and nature disagree, whereas obviously nature was meant to agree with freedom and to be perfected by it. And quickly, we'll head to Kevin in the great state of Florida, a first-time caller listening on Divine Mercy Radio. Kevin, just a couple minutes left with Father Milady. What's your question today? Yes, Father, I'd like to ask the question. When Lazarus was with uh, Abraham in uh, some place, and the uh, rich man was on the other side of the chasm, where exactly were they since heaven had not been opened because uh, Jesus had not passed and been risen yet? The answer is the limbo of the just. Everybody who merits heaven before Christ dies on the cross experiences what's called the limbo of the just. In other words, um, they're just waiting for Christ to die before they go to heaven. 
Um, the Greeks call it Hades. The Jews call it Gehenna. There's a beautiful painting. There's a whole mystery where we say in the Apostles' Creed, you know, he descended into hell. Well, we don't mean the hell of suffering. We mean the limbo of the just. So when Christ rose from the dead, in the three days he was gone, as he spent three years evangelizing this world, he went to hell, uh, limbo for three days to evangelize the people who had already died but still believe, but believed in him. And there's a beautiful painting where Jesus in his risen body is knocking down the door and all the saints of the Old Testament are running over to him to greet him because so they've been waiting for quite some time. <laughs> but unlike purgatory, there's no suffering. Very good, Kevin. Thank you so much. We appreciate the phone call. And really quickly, Father, I want to read this question because you know when you stand, if you look at yourself in a mirror and there's a mirror behind you, you get like an infinite number of images going out into the mirror. And Mary <laughs> Tiffany says, rather, if God gave us a free will, then why don't we have the freedom to choose whether or not we have a free will? Because then we wouldn't be human. How can we choose if we don't have a free will or not if we don't have a free will? It's in the free will itself that we have, we'd have to make that choice. No, it's a human being with no free will isn't a human being. That's a part of our nature. The same with angels. Angels have a free will. Well, another hour has flown by. Father, would you be so kind as to leave us with a blessing? May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Father Brian Mullady, our producer, Michael McCall, our call screener, Matt Gubensky, and our celebrity social media maven, Mr. Ace McKay. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line Thursday. We'll finish out another great week of Open Line tomorrow when we have our very own Vice President of Theology, Mr. Colin Donovan taking your questions on EWTN's Open Line Friday. Until we get together then, hope you have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless.